growing up the way I grew up, um, didn't have a lot of opportunity outside of sports. And, you know, I was an anomaly. You know, I made it to the NFL, which less than 1% of the population does. And so when you're a kid growing up in a community like I grew up, your choices are limited. You know, your opportunities are limited. And so you think that your best way out is to go to the league. You get caught up in that narrative of, you know, I'm a I'm an athlete. You know, I play football. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a baller. I play basketball, whatever it is. And so when that's taken away from you, you kind of get the, the, the rug ripped from under you because reality sets in and you have to go find a job. And so if you were putting all of your work into, you know, being an athlete, you weren't really developing yourself outside of just that. And so a lot of my inspiration and motivation in helping people comes from that reality. And it's you don't know what you don't know. For a competitor, your body is your vehicle for success. It lifts you to new heights and propels you to achieve things others can only marvel at. But what happens when you notice the bodies of your peers starting to betray them? When the people you look up to, people who have everything the world can offer, are taking their own lives. This is the story of Derek Morgan, a man with the courage to challenge what he's been told and the bravery to stand up for a better solution. I'm Joseph Fourier, and this is More Than an Athlete. With the 16th pick in the 2010 NFL Draft, the Tennessee Titans select Derek Morgan, defensive end, Georgia Tech. I started out at Georgia Tech uh, from 07 to 09, got drafted in 2010 in the first round, 16th overall pick to the Tennessee Titans. Derek Morgan, who left the Titans with six and a half sacks last year, former first round pick Derek Morgan. Derek Morgan. Derek Morgan came slicing in. Derek Morgan. I think Derek Morgan is finally getting the respect he deserves as one of the better edge rushers in the league. The things that I'm noticing around the NFL is that it's not all peaches and cream, and it's not just the highlights you see on Sundays. It's a, it's a business, and it's a, it's a vicious business. And coming from somebody who was actually a high draft pick, I've seen a lot of stuff and, you know, people don't talk about it, right? You, you don't get a lot of insight as to what the everyday NFL player is going through. You know, everybody looks at the, you know, the Peyton Mannings or the Drew Breeses um, of the league, the Tom Brady's who are making exponential amounts of money. But nobody's talking about the practice squad player who is making $50,000 a year. Nobody's talking about the guys who leave the game and can barely walk and run out of health insurance in five years. Nobody's talking about, you know, how you're been, you've been groomed all your life as an athlete to have a specific skill set that doesn't translate to a lot of different careers. And so I wanted to do my best to educate myself in uh, many respects to kind of understand business inside and outside of football. So when football was done, you know, I would have a better transition I started paying attention to the news back in 2014, where you were hearing all the horror stories around CTE, traumatic brain injury. Researchers from the Boston University School of Medicine and the VA Boston Healthcare System 
looked at the brains of 202 former football players and found evidence of the brain disease CTE in all but one. Players retired and active, killing themselves. And it was beginning to be a crisis. I think this is right around the time where Junior Seau uh, took his life. Junior Seau, today a team of doctors confirmed that he suffered from degenerative brain disease, which could be linked to the years he spent on the football field. You know, that was alarming to me because here you have somebody who was a Hall of Famer, played 20 years in the league, made all the money you could ever want, and he just wasn't content. Like, there was something off. And a lot of things towards the end of his life, patterns that we saw and things that worried us. His decision making and his, his ambition decreased. That really hit home for me. And I was like, yo, I've been playing football since I was eight years old. You know, I've been banging heads every day or every football season for about 20 years. And so what am I going to look like at 40? You know, am I going to be addicted to painkillers and thinking about taking my life, like that's scary. I, I have two kids. And so I really, that kind of sparked my interest in finding ways to be proactive about that. And one of the things I came across was cannabis. This was around the time there was a documentary called um, Weed, I think on CNN. And there was this little girl who suffered from epilepsy seizures and it was about the killer. They were ready to say goodbye. The epileptic seizures started when Charlotte was just a baby and grew more violent, more frequent. It's okay, honey, mommy's here. They were introduced to something called CBD, CBD oil more specifically. And as soon as she was administered the oil, it eradicated her seizures by 95%. It's been amazing to have, to hear her talking with me and, and interacting. It's, it's been, it's, it's, I can't even put into words what that means to me. That stood out to me and I was like, wow, like what is this? Why have I never heard about this? Um, so I started digging, started digging, started researching. I looked up CBD online and I kept coming across this patent that the, the government had um, on CBD oil for traumatic brain injuries is that the U.S. government has a patent on CBD oil for treating traumatic brain injury. And I was like, this is blowing my mind. Like, why is this federally illegal? Why is it a schedule one drug? I didn't understand it. So I started asking a lot of questions. Like, that's just my nature. I ask a lot of questions. And so I started to discover that this drug had been criminalized over the last couple of decades. And Primarily, the only people that were getting hurt were people of color and poor people. And so when you when you had this criminalization of drugs and cannabis, you know, um, it became stigmatized. Right. So it got the conversation got away from the medical applications for it. And it's, it all revolved around, oh, this is a gateway drug. This uh, hinders brain growth and all these negative aspects of it. It was the propaganda around it. Right. And so when you kind of push that to the side and get to the core of what the cannabis plant is, it's a healing plant on many different levels. And specifically for people like me who run into people for a living, like this is something that could definitely help me. And so I became a huge advocate for it. Coming out uh, as I did publicly in support of it, I was like, look, this doesn't need to be kept secret anymore. More people need to know about this. It's a shame that people don't because even outside of football, like there are families who are suffering right now who could be helped by this plant. 
but just because of jurisdiction and regulations, they can't help their kids. And so that to me is an injustice on so many levels. And it really, you know, struck my passion about it. And you're seeing, this is back in 2015, right? It's 2019. You're seeing the conversation change. About two years ago, I was consulting with a nutritionist and every off season, I take it upon myself to try to find ways to get better. And one of those things that kept popping up was diet and specifically a plant-based diet. And I'm like, there's no way I'm eating salads every day, eating, you know, eating bird food. I'm going to, you know, wither up and die. I'm going to have a protein deficiency and I can't play professional football. And so I was challenging my nutrition. She's like, just try it. Here's a research article I like to read. And she's like, here, check this out. Check this out. And how does it relate to performance and, and being an athlete? And so slowly but surely, I started to open my eyes and kind of like, you know, let my guard down. And I started cutting out red meat, poultry, dairy, which was a big difference, and then seafood. And so over that transition, I started to notice a lot of different benefits. The first thing was a huge reduction in inflammation. So what that means is when you go to the gym, you tear muscle, micro microfibers of your muscle, and you have to recover. Your body sends an inflammation signal, and you know once that inflammation is gone, you can go back and train. So in professional athletes, it's all about how much you can train uh, in a in an intelligent way, right? You don't want to overtrain. So when I found out that my inflammation was down, I felt great. I could train harder. And so, you know, I was making gains and I started to sleep better and, you know, I started thinking better, but I think my diet had a lot to do with that. My wife is a Le Cordon Bleu trained chef. She was taught to cook in a traditional way with butter and meat. And so, you know, when I told my wife I wanted to be plant-based, she had to unlearn and then relearn how to be a chef. I I call her a transitional plant-based chef because if somebody's curious about the, you know, the diet, she'll make any meal you want and she'll just change the ingredients to plant-based ingredients. So whether it's a mac and cheese, a burger, a meatloaf, a gumbo, she has the talent and the ability to make that meal, which is very comparable, if not better, um, but just with better ingredients. And so that really opens the door and opens the conversation for people who are curious about it, which is why she's so special in what she does. And so, you know, she's, I would say if my wife wasn't cooking the way she was cooking, it would be very hard, like in some respect, because, you know, I'm a foodie, but like the recipes that she has, man, it makes it easy. So she's been doing a great job of just kind of keeping me on track and as well as, you know, educating other players um, on this whole journey. I think having this platform is a blessing and, you know, your platform is only as good as what you do with it. And I think that I've been given this platform and I almost have like a, I wouldn't say an obligation, but a responsibility to give back in, in a meaningful, intentional way. You know, that's my, my passion is, you know, to be a voice uh, for, for change, for positivity in many respects, whether it's, you know, economically, um, you know, holistically from a health perspective, um, mental health, uh, behavioral health. So, 
you know, it's almost like it correlates with my own personal journey. You know, I wasn't the same person I was um, nine years ago when I came into the NFL. You know, I've grown, I've, I've evolved because I've been exposed to certain things. And so if you don't have that opportunity to kind of learn what's out there, you kind of get stuck. So I'm in a position where you know I can help to, you know, spread the word on different things and, and be a positive influence. Being more than an athlete means that I'm a human being, means that I have value outside of being just a performer, just an entertainer, just an athlete. Um, It means that, you know, I have weaknesses, I have flaws, but I have strengths. But don't judge me by only what I do on the field or on the court. You know, I think that guys are waking up to the idea that they are more than an athlete, that there are things outside of sports like God's blessed you to play a sport and, you know, we're thankful for that. But you can't play football forever. You can't play basketball forever. And so you're forced to grow, to be more than an athlete. You have to evolve as a person. And so I love that mantra because it challenges the status quo and it disrupts the narrative that's out there about athletes. So I love that mantra and I'm loving that more and more guys are really taking that to heart. I'm Derek Morgan, and I am passionate. I am a creator. I am a mentor. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I am a student. I am an advocate. I'm a filmmaker. I am a human being. I am more than an athlete. WRTS is produced by John Fontanelli. Our editor is Chris Wotherspoon. Our production assistant is Logan Castrodale. Additional production support by Matt Perret, Lauren Jones, Cody Moore, and Uninterrupted's Athlete Relations Team. Our executive producer is TD St. Matthew Daniel. I'm Joseph Fourier, and this is WRTS. We run this station.